The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. My name is Clarissa Lloyd, and I grew up basically in church. My grandmother was a Christian. I went to church every Sunday. I sang in the church choir. I went to church religiously up until I was a teenager. But then whenever I got into my addiction, that's something that no longer existed. I turned into a, a pretty horrible person. I lied to everybody. I stole from the people that cared about me most. Do disgusting things with men just to support my habit. It destroyed every relationship that I ever had. And that led me to Maryland Correctional Institute for Women, which is in Jessup, Maryland, at 19 years old, incarcerated in prison. Jessup is the only female prison in the state of Maryland, so I found myself in there with all kinds of different people. And being 19 years old, I've basically been incarcerated my entire adult life. And it wasn't until my boyfriend died of a drug overdose where I decided that I needed to change. I was sitting in a holding cell, defeated, broken, beaten, basically at my rock bottom. What do you do when life hurts more than you think it should? Or it hurts in a way that you don't feel like you can deal with it or cope with it? For Clarissa, the only way she knew how to deal with it was to turn to drugs, and you could see how much trouble that got her into. But what about for you? Where do you turn? What do you do when life hurts more than you know how to deal with? Uh, In this For Our City series, over the last several years, we've been talking about this addiction issue uh, because it's a global crisis and it's, it's prominent in our nation. It's prominent in your city, in your community, probably in your life somewhere. You know somebody very personally, maybe even your own family, who's been directly affected by the issue of addictions, particularly when it comes to heroin and opioids. Opioids including uh, over-the-counter prescription painkillers. And so for five years, we've been talking about how we need to be directly involved in being part of the solution to this issue of addictions in our communities. And so you might wonder, are we we making progress? Are things getting better? And uh, while we're talking about it, and I think we're doing a great job of getting people to take steps, unfortunately, because of the COVID pandemic, it's become an even greater crisis. I, I, w- I would say that behind the COVID pandemic, there has been a, an increasing opioid pandemic. In fact, if you compare statistics of overdose deaths pre-COVID to right now, the numbers have increased by 38%, meaning 38% more, cent percent more people have died from an overdose during this season than the same amount of time before. And why is that? Why are we seeing skyrocketing numbers of people turning to addictive substances? Why are so many more people getting hooked on heroin, using prescription drugs, uh, and abusing those drugs? Well, I'm going to try to paint a little bit of a picture for you. This is obviously generalized, but, but here's what you have, right? Greater pain, greater need to kill the pain. And so people turn to painkillers, and heroin is a painkiller. Uh, opioids, Oxycontin, Percocet, they're painkillers. And so uh, here's what you have, right? During the pandemic, people uh, weren't able to lean into their uh, healthy 
coping mechanisms, whether that's going to the gym or exercising or maybe going to a support group or a life group or attending church in person. Uh, they were cut away from meaningful relationships, maybe even not spending time with their family or other loved ones. And so they don't have these healthy coping mechanisms. So the, and, and they're scared and they're told, you gotta stay at home, you gotta work from home, you gotta do school from home. And so people are trapped and isolated and then they're given stimulus checks. So they have financial resource. It's almost like the perfect recipe for skyrocketing addic addiction numbers. And, and so, as I said, you know, uh, greater pain, greater need to kill the pain. And so what are opioids? Pain killers. It's 75 to 80% of people who uh, right now are using and abusing heroin started by using prescription painkillers. And so this is not a, you know, like a they problem. This is a me and a we problem, right? Like meaning this isn't, I'm sure some of you have been directly affected by this, but even if you're not addicted, you understand that this isn't some, you know, uh, hidden problem. This is right in our own lives, right? This is our friends, our family, our coworkers, uh, our classmates. These are people we know that people we love. This is in our communities, in our churches. And so we're brokenhearted. And as part of this For Our City series, we recognize that the issue is then it's not just drugs, it's pain. And we're not good at dealing with our own pain. So I start by saying, what do you do when life hurts more than you know how to deal with it? See, we, we don't just have a drug problem. We have a pain problem. Very few people are good at knowing how to deal with overwhelming pain. And so what they do, what we do, is we self-medicate. Now, many of you, you have more socially acceptable um, self-medicating uh, you know, tools, right? Like meaning maybe you go to the gym, but maybe you just overeat. Or, or maybe you are a workaholic. Or maybe you're abusive with your words or abusive toward others. Or maybe you use sex or lust as an outlet for self-medicating, right? Like meaning for every one of us, we have some self-medication that we use to, to numb the pain. And so when you get in that habit of using self-medication to numb the pain, you become chained to whatever medication you're using, whatever prescription you're, you're using, uh, whether it's illicit drugs, whether it's painkillers or heroin or some other activity, you can become trapped by it. It, it chains you, you become enslaved. And so I, I thought, man, it's a great uh, picture. Uh, how do we free an entire nation enslaved by overwhelming pain? And so I think Moses might be a really meaningful example to us. Moses uh, was raised up by God to free an entire nation, the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people who are enslaved uh, in Egypt. And, and so God raises up th this guy, uh, to, to be the deliverer of the nation of, of Israel. And, and he's also referenced by the author uh, who writes the letter to the Hebrews, which is a, a letter included in the Bible, in the New Testament of the Bible. And Moses is held up as an example of someone who lives out, does, does this thing of risk-taking love that's brought on by having an authentic faith in God. But what's interesting is God doesn't just use Moses to deliver the people. His authentic faith 
inspires faith in the entire nation. And so the exodus of the, is the Jewish people is really an exercise of faith. They're living out risk-taking love. So what do they do? Well, the author of Hebrews in chapter 11, he kind of gives us this quick picture of their faith. And so let me read this to you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, he says, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And so he uses this as an illustration. He goes, look, um, Moses lived out risk-taking love by authentic faith in God. He inspired authentic faith in an entire nation. So Im imagine uh, for them, as they're, as they're leaving Israel, I mean, as they're leaving Egypt, they're being set free. <laughs> they, they come to the Red Sea. It's a barrier between them and God's promises, where they want to be. And then the Egyptian leadership decides, you know what? We're going to go back and we're going to take the Israelites captive again. And so they have an army coming against them from behind. And they have the barrier of the Red Sea in front of them. And, and so they're panicked. They're afraid. They're scared that they're going to get destroyed or drowned. And so... God tells Moses to stretch out the rod in his hand, his staff, and God creates a channel, a road, a pathway through the Red Sea, and they begin to walk through the night on dry ground through the middle of the Red Sea. And, and, and what the author is saying is they had to walk through the sea by faith. I mean, by faith, they were looking at these walls of water on each side and trusting, God, you're going to continue to keep the water on the sides, right? That's faith. Because they could have cowered and stayed back. But also by faith, once they cross through the Red Sea, as the Egyptian army pursues them, by faith they trusted that the walls would collapse on the Egyptian army. And, and so the key here is the author of Hebrews is holding up this example to teach us something because he was speaking to a group of people who either were suffering persecution. So you have one group that's suffering persecution. It's being thrown out of their homes. It's being mistreated. They're, they're experiencing tremendous pain. And the other group of people have a choice to willingly identify with them or pull back. And so the letter is written to two groups of people, to those that are suffering, to those that are going through difficulties in life, and to those who are willing and challenged to identify with those that are suffering. So Moses gives up his position, his power, and the pleasures of the palace of Pharaoh in order to identify with the suffering of his people to see them set free. But then all of the people had to embrace that faith so that they would walk out that freedom. And that's the key. To the, to the Hebrew church, the author is saying, you're invited to live by faith just like the Hebrew people did, just like the Hebrew nation, the Jewish people, when they're set free from Egypt. And so here's the key for you and I. Um, you know, they, the, the Hebrew church was living, you know, almost 1,500 years after the Exodus. And now we're living 2,000 years later, but it's the same key. You are set free to live free. So make note of that. You're set free to live free. What would you love to be free from? Maybe just take a moment, fill in the blank in your own mind. Man, I would love to be free from 
that addiction, that anger issue? What is something that's got you chained? And no matter how hard you try, you just can't get free. What would you love to be free from? And, and, and you know what? You want to know what the challenge is? You want to know why treatment programs rarely work? I, I, I mean, you know that the, the recidivism rate or the, uh, the failure rate for people who go into a recovery program is like 85% on average. It means only 15% of the people that go through a recovery program successfully stay out of addictions. Well, why? Why do so many addicts relapse? Why do we relapse in the things that we're trying to be free from? It's because we primarily focus on treating the symptoms. We don't know how to get under the surface of treating the pain problem. So we're just treating the self-medication issue. We're not treating the deeper pain problem. And the deeper pain problem is not just a physical pain or even a mental or emotional pain, right? All of that comes from a much deeper pain problem that is spiritual. See, at the core, you and I have a spiritual pain problem because we're separated from God. And when you're separated from God, spiritual pain stirs what's called sin. Sin enslaves us. We're actually chained by this spiritual sin that controls us, manipulates us, destroys us. And sin leads not just to, you know, uh, physical chains of addiction or, you know, chemical chains of addiction or uh, faulty ways of thinking or emotions that feel like they're manipulating and controlling us, but a lifestyle of chained living that leads to a forever far away from God. And so at the core, we have a spiritual pain problem. And so the spiritual pain problem has to be treated spiritually. And, and, and so this is what's written. Jesus is speaking, and this is recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter eight, where he says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So it's a similar picture, this idea of being slaves. And so the, you know, the Jewish people, they knew all about what it meant to be slaves because they had been physical slaves. And now Jesus is coming along and he's saying, hey, look, if you're a slave, you have no permanent place in the family. But if, if the son, and he's referring to himself, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You're truly set free. And so the first key here is if, if, you, if we're going to be set free to live free, well, then we have to be set free. Well, how do, you, how do you get set free? So make the note, right? Be set free. I must be set free. Meaning the chains have to be broken. Whatever's, whatever's got a hold of me, I have to get free from this thing. Like the, the nation of Israel had to get out of Egypt. They had to get free from their slave masters, from the oppression, right? They had to get out. They had to be set free. And it required Moses, uh, by the hand of God, through faith, to deliver them. It required God to divide the Red Sea so they could get through by faith. So there was this faith element. When you read about the story of Moses, as the author in Hebrews says, he, he really makes this critical point. He goes, Regarding Moses, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. I love this. Now, you know, Moses lived, uh, the, the Exodus happened around 1450 BC. So, you know, almost 1500 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. So why is he saying that Moses 
was willing to regard disgrace for the sake of Christ as of more value than just enjoying the pleasures of the palace. Because he's saying, somehow Moses saw that freedom was so important and he was looking ahead to a time when Jesus would set us ultimately free. So the people of Israel were set politically free. They were set free from their physical chains and free from their physical slave masters. But he knew that even if you're physically set free, even if you're chemically set free, even if your mind is set free, you can still be enslaved by sin. And so he was looking ahead and he was saying, I'm Moses was willing to endure suffering. He was willing to endure disgrace. He was willing to endure hardship because he's looking ahead to Jesus who is gonna set us free. Well, how does Jesus set us free? Jesus addresses the deeper spiritual chains. God came from heaven to earth. He died on a cross. He took on all of the bondage of sin. His life and death became the payment for the eternal judgment we deserve. When he died, he died once for all to forgive us of sin, to absorb our shame and guilt, and to set us free. How? Because he not only died, but he rose again, and in his resurrection, he gives us victory. He becomes the deliverer, the savior. He, he gives freedom. So you find freedom through faith in Jesus. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about, is that through faith, I find freedom. So when I believe in Jesus by faith, I believe that he died for me. He broke the chains. He rose from the dead to set me free. So when I believe in Jesus, I'm set free. And if right now, whether it's an addiction issue when it comes to drugs or alcohol or some other unhealthy coping mechanism, or maybe you have found a way to be socially acceptable in your self-medication, but it's still controlling you. Your mind, your thoughts, your emotions are being controlled by sin. You want to be set free right now. You make that commitment to say yes to Jesus by faith. And you can text us and let us know. Just simply text the name Jesus to 81411. And, and uh, you'll receive some tools. And we'll follow up with you to encourage you as you begin this new relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to be really clear because anytime I talk about addictions or other complex issues, I want to, I want to acknowledge that. This is complex. And I don't want to offer some cookie cutter quick answer. I don't want to offer some, you know, like answer that you just expect from the church. Like, oh, of course, that's what a pastor says. You know, you're, you're joining us online and this part you can be like, wait, this is, the, he's making it too easy. No, I'm not making it easy. I'm saying that at the core of all addictions, all problems that we face, there is a spiritual root and if you only treat the symptoms, you'll never get to the root and you'll never find freedom. And so the key here is this. Jesus, through faith in Jesus is not the only step to live out freedom, but it is the most important step, right? Because your addictions are not just chemical or physical or emotional or mental. They are also spiritual. And so you have to start with the spiritual. What happens is spiritual pain manifests itself in the physical, in the chemical, in our thinking, right? In the mental. And so spiritual pain spreads. Spiritual chains become physical and chemical and emotional chains. And so you have to first free yourself spiritually before you can have any other impact. And so you don't set yourself free. Jesus 
set you free. And I'm willing to acknowledge the complexity of this. I'm saying that believing in Jesus by faith may not be the only step, but it is the most important step. Because when you find freedom spiritually, then you can begin to get the help that you need to get freedom chemically, physically, emotionally. You can begin to get help elsewhere. So beware, I'm always cautioning, beware of um, snake oil salesmen who say the problem is only neurological, or the problem is only chemical, or the problem is only physical, the problem is only medical. No, 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 no. If it's that easy, then why isn't everyone free, right? You just give them this tool. Why is there an 85% recidivism rate? It's because we're treating symptoms. We've oversimplified these issues down to like one area of practice, just neurological, just chemical, just physical, just medical. And, and I want to challenge you that we are whole beings. So this is a holistic problem and it requires a holistic solution. And the beginning of being made whole is spiritual freedom through faith in Jesus. Now, here's the challenge. You can, you can have the position of freedom without the practice of freedom. What I mean is you can believe in Jesus by faith and be spiritually set free, but still living like a slave. You're still gonna have the consequences of the life you had before you were set free. You may even still struggle with the desires you had when you were set free. You may still deal with some chemical dependency that you had when you were set free, right? So I want you to think about it like a fan. If you have a fan running in your house, um, and you turn it off, does it instantly stop? No, it still continues to wind down. And so when you believe in Jesus by faith, it's as if the power of sin is turned off in your life, but the consequences are still winding down until we die. All right, so what happens next? Well, I'm gonna give you another verse, Galatians chapter five, verse one, where he says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I mean, he doesn't just set you free so that you believe you are free by faith, but then you live like a slave. So the parallel is going back to the people of Egypt, where they were set free, but they continue to live like slaves. So the challenge is this. <laughs> You're set free to live free. So live Free, meaning live out your freedom. So let me go back to the Hebrew people that are set free from the bondage of Egypt that Hebrews chapter 11 holds up as an example. Like this is how we should live. And so he does, he goes, they're delivered through the Red Sea. God sets them free, but they continue to live like slaves. Meaning they think like slaves. They grew up as slaves. They worked as slaves. They never took a day off. They were beaten and mistreated. And so what happened was this. Um, even though, even when they came out of Egypt and they miraculously go through the Red Sea, you know what they do? They never take a day off. They mistreat and beat each other, right? Because their identity, they see each other as slaves. And so God, in the, in the wilderness, if, if you go back and you read the Old Testament Bible, there's a lot of laws. You know what most of those laws are? To teach them how to live in freedom. So you can't mistreat each other. Don't steal things from each other. I know your slave masters could take whatever they wanted. You have to take a day off. Really? Like, this is like your boss saying, you must go on vacation. Why? Because you and I even have a tendency to live like slaves. Well, the Hebrew people would live like slaves. They would never take a day off. So God had to make them take a day off. Why? Because he was trying to teach them how to live out their freedom. And by faith, you and I begin to live free. 
Your whole life, you've been enslaved by sin. You've been enslaved by addictions, whatever your self-medicating drug of choice is. And now you've got to begin to live a new way of life. You have, rather than, Rather than self-medicating pain, you reframe the pain, recognize that pain isn't the problem. My spiritual brokenness away from God is the problem. Now I've been, now I'm loved by God, forgiven by God. I'm welcomed into the family of God. So now pain isn't the problem. Pain is a promise that I'm not home yet. I'm not yet where I belong. And so anytime I feel pain, it's just a reminder that this body isn't the ultimate end. That Living my best life now is not what's most important. I'm on my way home. And so pain is like an alarm clock telling me I'm almost home. I'm, I'm on my way to eternity. This is just a reminder letting me know that I still have a future beyond this life, right? So I reframe the pain, right? If I'm going to live in my freedom, what that means is before you were free, you had no future, you were trapped, you were stuck, that controlled your life. Now you have a future through faith in God, right? Which means you allow God's spirit to guide you, to lead you, to, to um, direct your steps. You have hope, you, have, you can submit to God rather than submitting to that um, self-medication. You can, you can honor God rather than being dragged away by sin. God set you free to live free. So what does it look like for you to live in that freedom? And then what does it look like for all of us to identify with those that have been trapped in drug addiction? And the author of Hebrews chapter 11, he, he references this in verse 10. He says, for he, another hero of the faith, he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And throughout this series, I've been saying, these heroes of the faith were looking forward to a future in heaven, a future in eternity, where the city of God was built by God. But in the meantime, they were willing to live by faith and do what faith requires, which is risk-taking love. They were willing to recognize the high price of love and do what love requires, which means identifying with those who are suffering. And when we willingly identify with those who are suffering, we, we live out risk-taking love and our city begins to look more like the city of God. And so let me give you some really practical challenges. Since uh, prescription painkillers are what leads to heroin uh, abuses, let's get rid of the painkillers in our home. If you've got got painkillers that are not actively needed, throw them away, get get them away. There's there's drug turning programs, just get rid of it. Why? Because you don't want to leave that as something that can get stolen. You don't want to leave that as something that one of your kids can get their hands on or that you can use in a time of desperation. So we get rid of those. We also um, are supporting drug recovery programs. So we have Brooks House right in our community uh, in Hagerson. We got Noah's House in um, in Chambersburg, we got Teen Challenge coming into the Hagerstown area. We're excited about that. Wherever you are, I want you to be a partner in helping serve and support those drug recovery programs in your community. And here's what happens. It begins to change lives. And so we want to share a little bit more of the story of Clarissa, whose life was changed when she hits rock bottom. God gets a hold of her life. So check out a little bit more of her story. Today I found God was the same day that I hit my rock bottom. Laying in a holding cell, detoxing, screaming, crying, basically, not knowing what to do or where to go. 
and I turned on the TV and there's actually a church service. Um, Pastor Stephen Furtick was on the television and I just didn't feel alone anymore. Like I felt God's presence and that's when I hit my knees and I surrendered and I started praying. And from there forward, I started writing pastors all over the country. Just anyone that would message me back or write me a single letter. Just trying to learn more about God, diving deeper into my Bible. And then that's when I decided that I had to do something different this time. Um, so I filled out an application to come to Brooks House, just seeing the way that everyone loves everyone and the way that they love God. It's just so inspiring. Today I got baptized as a symbol of basically just starting over, like a cleansing of moving forward to giving my life to God. It's just crazy the things God has done for me, the changes that I can see every day, the miracles that I see happening, not within just myself, but other girls. Today I can show up with love, I can be a good person, I have a tax-paying job, which is something that's never been even an option for me. I'm not the person that I used to be. Like, if I can come back from that, anybody can come back from that. Uh, everybody has a past, and it's what you do in the future, like what you do to move forward, you know? Um, I love talking about God. I love reading my Bible. I love listening to the gospel. Um, it just makes my heart happy. God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. How God changed Clarissa's life and now she wants to be part of seeing other people set free, right? You're set free to live free. And so some of you, you need to be set free from something in your life. Others of you, you need to live that freedom and share that freedom. Begin to be part of freedom for others. And so right now I wanna take a moment just pray over you. And I'm praying that behind every computer, behind every device, behind every TV where you are, God meets you and he begins to break chains. He begins to give freedom that through Jesus, you find the freedom that you desperately need. And then you become a freedom carrier. You begin to see others find freedom, the same kind of freedom you found. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you would not leave us chained in our bondage. You would not leave us trapped in the self-medicating drug of choice that controls us. But God, you came to set us free so that we can live free. And so God, I pray that right now this, these words and this prayer and your spirit would reach through every device and you would touch every heart. You would change every life that right now, freedom would begin to come into homes. Freedom would begin to come into those, that kitchen, into that living room, into that bedroom, to that individual that's holding that phone with tears running down their face. God, I pray that you begin to break chains of chemical bondage and chains uh, in their thinking and chains in their emotions, begin to set people free right now where they would find freedom through faith in Jesus and God, I pray that you would begin to empower people who've been set free to share their story and begin to become an instrument like Moses of seeing others set free. We say this now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.